Hello and welcome to another episode of SBCC Vaquero Voices, a podcast highlighting the unique voices that comprise our campus culture and how we're all working together to serve our students and the community at large. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Takeel Hill. What's good, y'all? And today we are honored to welcome Luz Reyes-Martin to the show. Welcome, Luz. Thank welcome, you. Luz. Yeah, so we had Akil's boss, Michael Modell, in episode, I think, four or five. So now we had to return the favor and get my boss on the show. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hear it. Tell us all the truth. Of- <laughs> and, and the thing is, like, you know, when you walk by our office, it says Office of Communications. But your title is a little more elaborate than that. It's a full title of <laughs> uh, Public yeah. Affairs and Communications, Marketing. I mean, what, we had, what is the- We had to try to make it as long as possible. So. <laughs> <laughs> Executive Director of Public Affairs and Communications. So marketing isn't Dang. actually officially in the title then? Not officially in the title, but it's, I guess, implied to be part of both of those things. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, in different different meetings, it's been like Office of Communications, Office of Communications and Marketing, and then like, but it's Public Affairs and Communications. Good to know, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is good for you to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, within that title, I mean, you, it's pretty much all campus communications with the, from the college out to the broader world and then beyond that can you just kind of elaborate a little bit on what what our office is kind of responsible for within this within the college yeah so our office is i guess roughly responsible for um communications both externally to the community to our um you know elected uh you know leaders in the community um, and internally, you know, I work really closely with the rest of, um, you know, cabinet on internal communications. Um, the public affairs piece, I think, speaks to, you know, community engagement and also kind of legislative advocacy and advocacy in the community. Um, and then the marketing piece is, you know, um, both enrollment marketing uh, for credit and for extended learning. Plus just all the, you know, communications and marketing support that we provide for departments, you know, all over the campus. Um, So it really is like this (laughs) catch-all kind of department. And we do lots of different things. And I think that's part of what I love about our team is that we're always working on something new, something different, and really stretching our creativity. And, um, you know, it's, it's a fun office, I think. Um, but that's something that really draws me to it is that it's not, it's not a routine really, you know, we're always being challenged with new things and no day is the same as another. Um, so that makes it, I think, fun. And with that title, I, I know you're working longer than eight hours a day. I'm just, I'm just going to say that with that long title, I know you were working more than eight hours a day, but you know, that's just what I'm, I just had to throw that out there. It doesn't even touch on the emergency service. That's the part I forgot about was the emergency services aspect of it as well. That's true. Yes. Yeah. I am the public information officer for the college, which is a specific designation that organizations have when there's an emergency or a disaster of some kind. You know, I'm in the college's, um, you know, uh, disaster plan (laughs) that we have to have. Um, and yeah, that's, that's another big piece that, you know, comes in, unfortunately has happened more often, um, than anyone would want, um, in the last, you know, five years that I've been at the college. Um, but it's definitely another big piece of, of what, what I do and what our office supports too. So in terms of juggling 
all that stuff. I mean, I know it's, it's not, it's, it's not, there's no easy answer here, but it, are there any kind of secrets or tips is it in terms of time project management and just keeping all these balls in the air? I mean, is it just going crazy? Is that the only answer? Like, like just, just constant anxiety or is there, is there like kind of a method that you found that works for these? Kind well, of yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm also part of in the California community colleges, there's a group that um, Hong knows called CC pro um, and it's all of the people in my position at all the community colleges. Um, and I'm on the state board. And so we meet, you know, regularly. And I think what I've realized is it, it takes a particular type of person who enjoys this work because it is very demanding, um, challenging. It is absolutely not a clock in, clock out <laughs> kind of job. You're on all the time. Um, and available all the time. Um, and you have to be ready um, and able to shift between things very, very quickly um, on a dime. Um, and I think those are things that I enjoy and I think I'm adapted well to. <laughs> so I think I, you know, I, it, it obviously takes all the same things that make anyone else um, successful in their job, you know, attention to detail and staying organized as best you can. I rely so much on my Google calendar. <laughs> that is my lifeline. If I didn't have that, I would know what day it was or what time it was or where I'm supposed to be. Um, but we all find little, you know, uh, you know, hacks to, to, to make, make things easier or make things um, work a little better. And a lot of that I've been able to find through trial and error, trying things out um, and also just learning from other people, you know, what do you use to take notes or to stay on top of this or to remind you of things you need to do? Um, those are kind of questions that I know I ask our managers at the college all the time. Like, what do you use to, you know, get, remind yourself of recurring tasks, like really fun and exciting questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely not an eight hour job. You're right. Yeah, I know that. I'm, I was like, <laughs> no, there's no way, dude. There's no way all that is, is can be encapsulated in eight hours. And I'm sure uh, a good sign uh, of someone who manages is delegation too. So I'm sure, you know, you definitely have to be, you know, versed in that too as well, you know, because there's no way like the job's so probably big that you can just do it all by yourself. So I think it always for me, when Michael was on, a sign of a good manager is someone who can delegate and, and kind of keep the eye on the prize and, um, I always appreciate, you know, I always see, you know, the emails that come out that I'm like, oh, lose this in another email, lose this in another email. I'm like, this woman sends is busy. <laughs> so I have to honor you and, and, and say to you uh, and Women's History Month that we appreciate you and all what you do at the college. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I can't let the show go by when not show, giving some love for women in this particular month. Thank you. I appreciate mm -hmm. that. And you're right. I have an an excellent team and they're all amazing. You know, we're so glad to have Hong on that team now too. And they're all just amazing and they always step up and they have my back and I have their back. Um, so we're, we're a great team. Yep. And, and you raised some good points there in terms of, uh, you know, people are always looking for what's that like for students and for, for, for staff faculty, they're always looking for the edge or tips to succeed, but you kind of have to be suited to the work a little bit, you know, like yeah. if, 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 I, there were times when I was in, in college and stuff where I was do, in a class and I was like, 
this is not for me. I am not enjoying it at all. Like I just, my brain doesn't work this way. Like it's like that with everything, whether you're, whether you're in school, whether you're at work, whether you're doing anything, if you're not suited for it, then you kind of have to really recognize that early or it will just kind of snowball and you'll get, you'll feel stuck after a while. So, so recognizing that and knowing that your kind of personality or your work, your work style is suited to the role. I mean, that, that is a big kind of a key to keep you around in the position because otherwise you probably would just burn out in an instant because the, yeah. the amount of work that comes in and the, and the way the work comes in, if you're not suited to it, then, you know, then, then it's rough. And, and, and that, that second aspect of, of the f- folks that you oversee having your back and vice versa, that, that's important too. I mean, folks that are listening at home and ask yourself this, you know, like when you look at your supervisor, do you think they have your back? And a lot of folks, you know, who knows what they can, you know, what that answer will be. But I do know without a doubt that, you know, Luce does have my back. So it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling to come into work knowing that your supervisor and boss have your back because it's, it's not, it's not, it's not universal for sure. Yep. Give him that raise, Luce. You hear him. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pay him to say that. <laughs> When's that review? When's that annual, uh, annual review coming up? Oh, next week? Next, up. next week? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and another thing about the job that I know is kind of um, an aspect of it is it's not always clear in terms of tangible, measurable results. So folks are folks, you know, especially with the marketing aspect of it, like I'm, I'm not a, a crazy marketing guy myself in terms of, I mean, does that really work? Is that really doing anything, you know, but at the same time, it, at, no matter what, it's hard to quantify. So when folks are, you know, when, when we're doing these campaigns, we're doing the same folks like, well, you did X and Y, but I don't see Z, but Z is not a guaranteed outcome of that. So it's, it's not like a lot of work, you get the results just like speak for themselves. But with, with some of the things that, that our office does, it's not as clear. So so it's not that gratification is not instant in that respect. So even that part of it is, is suited to people who understand, you know, the work is good. You just have to trust the work itself and not necessarily don't know what the, the result will necessarily be. So I don't know if you can speak on that a little bit or kind of corroborate that a little bit, but it's, it's, I've noticed that that's a tough one to kind of quantify for folks. Yeah, it's a, it's. It is a big, a big question that, you know, we, we have talked about, we talk about um, often, you know, especially in the state. Um, I think we as a college have moved um, really in, in, in significantly positive ways over the last couple of years to be able to track much more than we ever could before. Um, how our campaigns are doing, who is seeing it, how many people are actually coming and then, um, you know, coming to our website, coming to the apply page. Um, and that's only, you know, how many people are we driving to the front door, um, we, we, we say about the college. And we have pretty good data to show us that piece. Um, and what's so interesting is, you know, now we have a couple of years worth of data, which to me is, is data is most valuable when you have, you know, a longitudinal um, a data sample to look at. Um, and we can really see, you know, areas of our community where we, we, we see really high attention to the college and where we have gaps. Um, and that informs, you know, future campaigns, you know, if we're seeing, you know, like in, the, um, you know, certain parts of our community that maybe aren't, you know, clicking on our ads, aren't, don't care or aren't coming to our, our, our webpage, we can then, you know, dig a little deeper to find out why, you know, maybe we try a different message or we figure out or, or, or 
learn more about that community to see what we can do to adapt our message or what they need. Maybe we don't have something that they're looking for. Um, and then that takes change on our part um, to figure out how to best serve um, a community. Um, so it's really neat to, you know, see that data and see how it's doing. And now, you know, with Dr. Goswami's support, we're now marketing out of state. Um, and that's a, or, or back to marketing out of state. And that's a whole new kind of area for us. And, um, you know, Amanda Jacobs in our office is, is one of the key people um, working on that. And we're able to see, you know, in our country, you know, where are people most excited <laughs> about coming to SBCC? And that's really interesting. And we're only just starting that. So I, I know over the next couple of years, we're, we'll refine that even further um, and see, you know, how we, how we, you know, uh, increase the enrollment from out, out of state um, and, and bring people to, to the community. So it's really interesting and it's fascinating and we have to keep up with changing technology. Um, and, and that's really neat and fun too, even in the last couple of years, what we're able to do now to really target neighborhoods or communities or types of students um, is, is so much more than we were able to do even just a couple of years ago. Um, so that's really exciting too, to be constantly learning um, and trying to stay on top of um, all these emerging trends. Yeah. And, and in terms of the data, you know, versus when you compare it to like the, the Nielsen system of the eighties or whatever, where one household equaled a million people where the, the, <laughs> right. the data relations were not quite there. I mean, Google and these tech companies will give it to you one-to-one, -one, exactly how many clicks, how many impressions. So you can kind of glean a little more in-depth analysis in that respect. I mean, it's bad in other ways, you know, privacy and whatnot, but in terms of the data analysis yes. aspect of it, it is, it is very, it's very good to get that, that kind of, um, you know, analysis in, in the moment and, and as it in real time. So, yeah. So I yeah. did want to mention that if folks um, are curious about how to get our office to work for them, if you're a staff or faculty on campus, we do have a help request form. I will put that help request form in the show notes. Um, I did also want to give a, a quick nod to Luce's email. She's been putting out on a COVID vaccination lately because we, um, the, the, it's such a fast moving, constantly shifting kind of landscape. The fact that you're able to send these emails out and give us kind of updates. I mean, I was able to schedule an appointment thanks to one of your emails because you said there was availability okay. somewhere. So it's yeah. one of those things where it, um, if you're here on campus and you have a pipeline account and you're getting the emails and you're in the eligible class to get vaccinated, um, keep an eye on Lucy's emails and click on the links that she provides. And, and there are options. I mean, it's not something where you click and, and, and they're just sold out instantly. Like there, there are kind of spots available. So, I mean, it, it, in terms of that aspect, Luce, could you speak on that a little bit in terms of how you're getting that info or, or, or how, because it's, it's nice that we're getting all in one chunk, but I'm sure it's not coming to you <laughs> that way. So you could No, not at all. I wish. Yeah. No, it is, it is a lot of, um, you know, something that, you know, I think is, really unfortunate about the vaccine rollout is that I have experienced that it is so much on the individual person to be your own, you know, investigator really to, you know, find where might there be appointments posted and kind of compile that and then just keep checking them regularly. And it's, it's really on your own. Um, and, and that's an area that, you know, I'm, I, have feelings about that I'll compartmentalize and, you know, 
come back to once we're past this to, so that we can, we as a society, as a county, as a college can do this better um, if, you know, this ever happens again. Um, but right now, you know, I, I just really feel like that's an area where I have a skill set that I can bring to try to help people. Um, and so I know I've done that with my own family um, and helping, you know, especially seniors in my family who don't have an email address, don't have a laptop, um, might have a smartphone, um, you know, helping them figure out where to where to get an appointment, how to get an appointment and where to go. Um, I've been, you know, helping family members do that. Um, and then with the college, you know, a, a lot of it is regular communication with the, you know, county uh, public health department. And I'm so appreciative for them for putting up with my almost daily <laughs> calls and emails, um, asking them for information. Um, they've been so great. Um, and then it's also just, you know, my own research and finding things. And that's how, you know, this opportunity with Cottage Hospital came up. Um, and, you know, then, then just being, you know, drop everything and send this out um, so that, you know, people can have the information. And, you know, if they, if they are wanting to make an appointment, they, you know, have what they need to, to then go and do it. Um, and, you know, I'll keep doing that um, until we have full access for everyone who wants it. Um, and I really hope that this is a promising sign for our whole community that access will really start to open up for um, many, many parts of our community that I know are still waiting uh, for, for an opportunity to be vaccinated. Yeah, I, uh, I have to thank you for that again, too, because I, 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 it's really interesting. I was kind of thinking about when I was listening to you, you speak as well as um, with uh, Black faculty and staff, as soon as your email came out, there was a text sent to the group and it was sent by Dean. Dean's like, yo, let's just drop the email. There's appointments uh, times that are available. You got to do it. You got to do it now. Right. And so everyone basically uh, jumped on. I uh, hopped in. I got mine scheduled for Friday. Um, a couple other people, uh, like the group went kind of dark for like 15, 20 minutes. And then everyone came back and, and they were posting their appointment time. So it, it was good. I'm uh, like, you know, so that people, you know, are definitely on pins and needles um, waiting for those emails to come out from you so they can go ahead and, and get the first round of the, of the vaccination. And, and it's and, and for me, it's it's really on a personal note, I'll say like it's really good because we know, you know, people of color are, are under we're not getting the shots and we don't have access to getting the shot as, as much. So um, it means a lot. Uh, to me that you're doing this work and keeping our campus afloat and in the loop. Uh, so that way people can get vaccinated and can try to return to, to some type of normalcy. Um, yeah. You know, I'm tired of logging into zoom. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying and, to go, I'm trying to go get tacos with the keel as soon as possible. I got that Friday appointment too. Yep. And, and being able to, to protect not only yourself, but to add some protection to your family too. Mm. I know that's, you know, it, it, it's very meaningful for people. And, and, you know, I'll give a little shout out to Rob Morales who um, responded to that email um, and he and I were talking and he was on it to call his managers to make sure all of the facilities and custodial and, and the, that staff um, were able to get help to, 
um, make appointments since they're not likely, you know, sitting in front of a computer watching their pipeline email. Um, so I really appreciate, you know, so many staff that I heard from who were like, I made my appointment and I reached out to, you know, anybody I know on campus to, you know, stop and go, go check your email. So I think that's a real testament to our, our community, um, you know, effort to make sure everybody knows, um, that that's, that that's available. And that, and that is the the office in a nutshell, microcosm. Like you will not take, you will not take someone to that, to to the end point. You're, you're like the second to last mile where you provide that information, you, you disseminate the information out and it's up to the folks that receive that information, you know, managers, et cetera, to then take that information and use it however they will. Rob Morales, you know, got on the phone, got out to his staff. There was a group, group texts are being shared. So, so as that information is being spread by you, but you're not, you're not the one cradling it all the way to its end point. So, <laughs> so, so that is kind of our office in a nutshell. We'll, we'll get pretty close and we'll get, we have the data to show where we're going, but at the, at the end of the day, there is a last lift that is required, but it's, it's not immense if, if we've done our job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once again, I will put in a help request, the help request form in the show notes. If anyone is interested in reaching out to our office to get assistance with uh, any sort of communications or marketing project, uh, we have graphic design capabilities. I do the web stuff. We do press releases. Um, yeah. I'll, anything and everything regarding written uh, graphic or other communications to and from the college we are uh, responsible for. So, um, and speaking of the persistence that you show in your day-to-day at this job, we're going to move on to uh, kind of what brought you to SBCC. I know that you've been at the college a little while now, but uh, I'm sure it was a, a long and winding road to get here. So if you could <laughs> kind of expound on that a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I am a very, uh, I guess, non-traditional um, person to be here <laughs> in this role. Um, I, my, my educational background and training is in uh, Chicano studies and in land use planning. Um, So I started my professional career um, as a planner. Um, And I know Hong, your your wife is a planner. So you you understand and appreciate what that world is like. Um, And, you know, I I didn't know much about it before I met her. And, and, you know, she didn't, she got into planning while I was with her too. So, so knowing what that job is like now, like you just hear that land use planner, sounds kind of quaint and calm it's it's wild it, it's a it's a true <laughs> it's a true grind as well in terms of I can, see is, how, yeah. I can see how your work style in terms of being on it and persistent and more than eight hour days I mean that that's planners in a nutshell as well so, it, exactly. so, so you kind yeah. of picked you kind of picked careers that suited <laughs> throughout so so I I started working for cities so I worked for first the city that I grew up in um Downey and LA County which I love and loved being able to work there um, and then I worked for the city of Anaheim, which is a huge city of, I think, at least half a million people. Um, and I worked for the city manager there, which was really cool because the city of Anaheim owns the Honda Center and Angel Stadium. Um, so working for the city gave you um, a little bit of extra access to those venues, which was really <laughs> neat. Um, and then worked as a consultant in land use planning. Um, so I had no you know, higher education and working at a community college was nowhere on my radar and had the opportunity to move to Santa Barbara um, with uh, my, my husband. And that was, you know, he got a job and he works at the city of Santa Barbara. And it was like, well, let's move to Santa Barbara. Why not? You know, it's, it's beautiful. We visited there, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and like everybody else's story, you immediately fall in love with this community and want to try to figure out how to stay here. And I worked for the city of Goleta and had been there for a few years. Um, and Goleta is a great community that I love and live in. Um, and the city is a newer city. It's only been incorporated for, um, I think it's less than 20 years. Um, and, you know, they have a small staff and everyone wears many hats. And that gave me an opportunity to work on things that were new to me at the time, like um, public information and community engagement and that kind of work. Um, and uh, when the refugio oil spill happened, I was part of the team that was responding to that for the city at the county. Um, and I got to meet a lot of people um, as a result of that. Um, and one day I got a call from Dr. Lori Gaskin who I had met once at an event. And she said, you know, I've, I've heard about you. And, um, you know, some people, you know, mentioned that you're a really good communicator. Um, and she wanted to talk to me about maybe coming to work at the college. And honestly, I was like, no, <laughs> like I, I had, I had just given birth to my son who was less than a year old. Um, I loved my job in Goleta. I'm, I'm kind of a risk averse person. Um, so that felt very risky to, to like switch jobs in the middle of, you know, having a, 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 my, my child and, you know, things are going well, but I agreed to meet with her. Um, and for anyone who, you know, re remembers, you know, Dr. Gaskin, she's a very tough woman to say no to. <laughs> she, uh, you know, I came and met with her. I asked her to tell me, you know, tell me about the college, tell me about community colleges. And she has such a fervent passion for community colleges and for the students we serve. And she just, you know, totally made me want to be part of this community. Um, and so I took a huge leap of faith to leave my job that had job security and retirement and vacation time to come to SBCC on a, on a contract. Um, and it was just like a three or four month contract and knowing that, you know, I would have to apply and compete for the permanent job. Um, and that there was a lot of change happening. Um, Lori was leaving was one of the big ones, you know, she's like, I'm only going to be here for the next six months. Um, and you're going to have to build, you know, this new office from the ground up. But it seemed like such a great opportunity. And I was totally sold on the mission. Um, and I love working for places that are mission driven. Um, and I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And, you know, talking about Women's History Month, I, if I look back on my career, both professionally and in my community work, I can always point to a woman somewhere along the path who encouraged me, who um, pushed me beyond my kind of both risk averse and, um, you know, imposter syndrome kind of uh, moment yeah. to say, no, you are the right person for, for this. Um, you should, you know, take this leap of faith.
or take this um, extra challenge. Um, and, and, and Dr. Gaskin's definitely one of those women um, uh, along the way. And so that's what brought me here. Um, and, and it's been five years now. Wow. So you're CalPERS five years. Is, there it is. All the, there it is. It's all the cracking. <laughs> I know. Now I'm good. We, yeah. We have this running joke about, you know, so many people that we've uh, interviewed and brought onto the show, they've been here, you know, at the institution for so long. And it, it's like almost every person we've interviewed has been fully vested. So we got a running joke on that. Shout out to Lori Gaskin, though, because uh, you're actually spot on with all the things that you said. Lori always the best way I could describe her, because I was talking to someone about her, I'm like, Lori was like, when the game is on the line in the fourth quarter and someone wants the ball, that is Lori. Lori's like, clear out. Let me <laughs> do my this. thing. Yeah. I got this. I'm taking the shot. And so um, you're absolutely right on women, strong women, always, um, you know, pushing other women to uh, reach their full potential. It's, it's such a beautiful story to, to, to listen to that. And your spot on Lori was definitely invested in that regard. Yes, for sure. And, and she gave, and we have a, there's like a through line of folks on this show, even that, that Lori gave him a shot. Like Tim, Tim was, was saying that he, he got his shot as a coach because mm-hmm. Lori, Lori saw that he wrote on some form that he was, you know, played football. And it's like, Hey, like just being able to reach out like that and do that is, is it's such a refreshing kind of, kind of thing to come up over and over again, have that be like, part of your character is, is just really awesome yeah so i never got to i never got to meet or work under lori gaskin but it sounds like was a, <laughs> yeah she was definitely time. clear out i'm going iso <laughs> get out the way i'm taking the last shot and, and that's what you need from leaders you know you want the leaders yeah. to, to be able to you know you know take that initiative and so i i've always respected lori and, and um and that's you just confirmed more like I, i'm like oh, i miss her you know, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so beyond the SPCC aspect of it, Luce, I know you, you are involved on the Glee school board. You're, you're, you know, you're involved in various things around town as, as in part of women's history month, as a, as a woman, a woman of color, a parent in these kind of roles around town and on campus. I mean, are there any tips you could give for aspiring women who are, who are looking to reach kind of not like, not these, not to say these heights, you know, like, like anything like that, but just, just tips to kind of navigate these spaces because you, you know, you talk about Lori giving you a shot and it's nice that strong women keep us strong because traditionally they were not given any opportunities and they were kind of held down. So the only person that would give a, a woman a chance is another woman, not to say that's the case now, but, but you know, that it's getting better. There's always room to go, but, but is there, is there any kind of, kind of, I guess tips is the word, but any, any information you can provide yeah. to folks trying to kind like of insights, insights. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think one, one thing I, I talk about often is there are many ways to serve your community or be of service in your community. It doesn't have to be through an elected role or through being on a board um, or, or things like that. Um, I think we need more people and more women and women of color who, who, who do step up to leadership in those places, but there's so many different things that you can be involved with. Um, and again, I would point to, you know, I'm, I'm currently president of the Santa Barbara Women's Political Committee. And the reason I even got involved with that organization was a woman and very dear friend of mine. Um, who might be familiar to you, um, Dr. Daisy Gonzalez. 
um, who is now the deputy chancellor of the California Community Colleges, because it's such a small world. <laughs> she and I are, are, are personal longtime friends. Um, and she used to live here in Santa Barbara when she was a PhD student at UCSB. And when I moved here, um, we were introduced to each other through a mutual friend and she was on the board of the Women's Political Committee and she brought me in um, and welcomed me and said, you know, this is a great group of women, you should get involved. And because I trusted her and knew her and she pushed me, um, I became involved in that organization. Um, with the Goleta School Board, um, there was a vacancy that occurred on the board. I didn't know anything about the board. I didn't know anyone on the board. And what, but one of the board members was a friend of mine, um, Valerie Cantella, and she reached out to me and said, you would be perfect for this. You should apply. You should be on the school board. And I said, no, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was an absolutely no. Um, and she was persistent. And <laughs> then, then other women, you know, in my friend circle encouraged me and said, no, you are the voice that they need. Um, they've, they've never had a Latina on their school board and they serve 40% of the kids are Latino kids. Um, mm. they, you know, you, you should be, you should apply, you should be there. Um, and so again, you know, all along the path, it's been other women. And so now I feel a deep sense of responsibility to be that woman for, for other women. Um, and so, you know, on any board I'm on, I always try to be on the committee that gets to nominate future board members, um, so that I can bring, bring in more, more women and women of color. Um, and just expand that, you know, the opportunity and the experience for, for women all over our community. Um, but it's so fun, you know, I wouldn't, um, I am very busy all the time, but I wouldn't do all the things I do if I didn't truly enjoy doing it and enjoy the work and enjoy the friendships that I've made, uh, because it is, of course, time away from, you know, my kids and my family. Although I bring my kids to a lot of things, um, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't, if I didn't love it. And I'm starting to think, I don't know about you, Hong. I'm starting to think that Lou's got more than 24 hours in their day. I'm like, I'm like, how much time you got in your day? Because I only have 24 hours. I think she got like maybe 28, maybe 29, maybe close to 30. I'm like, Next actually, time. just she has more than 24 hours. Next time I sit and play video games, I'm just going to be thinking about how I'm just wasting my life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, should, I should be maximizing that potential. That time could be maximized and, you know, efficient. But I, I, I want to, I mean, you know, just, just kind of amplify what you're saying about networking, creating good connections, creating those relationships. I think about my older sisters a lot in terms of how they, they're in uh, down in LA doing entertainment stuff. One is at Amazon Studios and one is, is doing camera work. I mean, um, you know, presentation work for TV shows and, and it really was that kind of networking and building those connections and, and kind of back and forth, elevating each other up to where they are, where they are now. And, and they, and they constantly tried to hammer home that fact to me about networking, creating connections. And I was always Mr. Meritocracy, like, no, I'll just let my work stand for itself. And yeah, it, it didn't stand as well as their networking and connections. <laughs> so, so that, I guess that would be, the, yeah, you need, you need both. Absolutely. And that, and that's what I've come around to learn. And that would be kind of, I guess that's the insight I was kind of looking for when I asked the question is, is yeah, that 
that is an important aspect of it. And it's something that you, you, you we should emphasize that that is definitely part of the process. And it, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Like for me, it was always like, oh, it just feels so scummy, this and that. Like, but it, there, no, you're just making friends, you know, like, like, yeah, I, 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 yeah I, was, I was separating it as this like professional versus personal. But no, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's just communicating with others and just being kind of putting yourself out there, which is not easy, but, but the, the rewards are vast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. And uh, that will segue us into good eating. <laughs> our, our, food, our food and dining section. Yes. My favorite <laughs> part of the show. Um, you know, I love the whole, I, love the whole show, <laughs> I do love to eat and I miss eating out and various things. So uh is there something that you've been eating lately or a dish you prepared or a restaurant you've been to anything that you want to share with us loose it's been giving you life lately yeah you know i have to start by saying um i do not cook but one very <laughs> important distinction is i yeah, can cook <laughs> i so can got- cook but i do not cook <laughs> my i'm i'm very fortunate that my husband diego is an excellent cook and he loves cooking and he always has our entire relationship we've been together for it'll be 16 years um and he he cooks he made i mean down to he was the one he was the parent who made all the homemade baby food for our kids like he he makes all the meals um so i of course enjoy everything he makes Um, And he really loves, um, he is a huge foodie and loves experimenting and cooking all different kinds of cuisine. So we get everything from, of course, Mexican food to Italian food, Japanese food, Indian food, um, Thai food, Irish food, (laughs) like all kinds of food from all over the world, um, which is really neat uh, for my kids too to, you know, experience um, different types of food. Um, so I of course love everything we have at home. Um, and then outside, you know, at restaurants and stuff, I am someone who loves comfort food. Um, so, you know, something that I am kind of a creature of habit too. Um, so things that are just made really well and are just like straight comfort food. That's my, that's my, my sweet spot. (laughs) Um, so I think some of my favorite things are, and I live in Goleta, so there's a three pickles in Goleta. Yes. Um, and I love their Cuban sandwich. That's like one of my top like lunch places. Um, and like Hong, I miss just the experience of eating out um, and just being with other people. Um, I miss that a lot. We, I would frequently go to the Goodland um for their food they have great food if you've never been there before just to hang out and you know have a beer and have they used to have an empanada night oh, <laughs> which is really I didn't great know that. i didn't um, know that either oh yeah yeah it's great and they have a trivia night it's a great spot for if, if you're ever looking coming over to galita um so yeah i'm a comfort food kind of creature of habit kind of person what's it, your go-to for mexican food at home I have to say like I'm kind of maybe it's the LA snob part of me ah, here it comes on you people from LA I have man. not been able to find Mexican food here that's better than what we could have at home mm. um, which I know is a really high bar 
Um, but like, you know, in LA, you know, there's King Taco, which is great. And there's all the little hole in the wall, you know, taco places or, you know, food places. I do enjoy, um, Los Arroyos and Los Agaves. I do enjoy that. Um, so those are great, you know, kind of just go-to places. Lily's Tacos is pretty good. Mm. Um, Have you tried Moni's? Moni's? I wouldn't say any, any Mm. I have. That's pretty good. You know what is good? Um, oh, I'm forgetting what it uh, what it's called, but it's on Milpas, and they have a really good torta. Uh, El Bajio? Is it El Bajio? Yes. Yeah, you know, yes, I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, I know. <laughs> They're good. That's knows. really that place yeah. is really good. Yeah, that El Bajio is good. Top places that. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this is this is legit. This is good. <laughs> yeah. And, and another pro tip about the good land is that if you have, but kids, I miss, you know, I, I, they, they legit will let you use the pool for five bucks. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Five, five bucks to use the pool at the good land. So oh, my yeah. son wants yeah. to go swimming and I can get, get good food and go swimming for five bucks. But you're saying loose about, uh, you following Yeah, up? We used to live in, in, yeah, we, we moved here from Pasadena. We were living in Pasadena. So I really miss being, having access to, really great um asian grocery stores and asian restaurants um i think that's a big gap for santa barbara um not having really awesome dumpling places or korean yeah. barbecue yeah yeah <laughs> that, those would be really great to have here yeah yeah we have the one korean barbecue spot now kimchi uh korean grill but they i haven't been since you know they, i don't think they've been open properly i don't think they're the in business anymore this. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it's the one right across that. from McKinsey Park, right? Yeah, next to yeah, next yeah. to tap next to tap tie. Yeah, yeah. I I drove past there recently and I, it looked like they were out of business, but oh no, because they yeah. were the only one that was doing like the grill and the all you can eat. I know. Yeah. yeah, there's a spot in Oxnard. It's called Gin. I think uh-huh. it's called Gin. And yeah. that's that one's actually that one's pretty pretty legit. Um, you know, obviously pre-COVID, right? So I mean they they do have some dining spots and i know um they're still i drove past there um and a little they were still busy but it's just yeah i mean I, yeah because are they just doing takeout or how are they doing because that's how that's the one type of restaurant i don't know how you would do you know? well they had a tent and then some people yeah I, I think they had a tent some people were eating outside and, and then the windows kind of open up remember how mm-hmm. the windows mm-hmm. open up and then there's yeah. like that row against the window oh that part is okay yeah so but yeah Korean barbecue like is like no joke. It's definitely one of my favorites, but it's yeah, definitely oh, it's so with good. these dining yeah. with these dining regulations, I feel like it's almost impossible to do. I mean, because Indian restaurants, I love Indian buffet, but you cannot do the buffet and still serve yeah. Indian food. If you're yeah. a Korean barbecue place, there's yeah. no pivot. You can't just serve right. the banchan, you know, and just put out banchan. <laughs> yeah, right. There's no individual yeah. portion. You can you can like yeah. give people raw meat to take home. But then you're just cooking it on a pan at home and it's like, what am I doing? You know, so it's yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, that to me speaks like to how the COVID, like COVID really makes me kind of uh, has made me really kind of think and reflect about eating and, and and how we eat in community. You know, like we just kind of just probably just never really truly reflected on that until it's it's actually been taken away where we you sit back and you realize, man, I haven't sat with like a, a co-worker or you know, someone outside of my immediate circle and enjoyed a meal in over a year, you know, 
if you're doing if you're doing it right right <laughs> which yeah, i am cause, so because that's one of the reasons why we emphasize this food aspect is the communal nature of it yeah and how that, that it is a community building aspect it is a good way to kind of keep up with folks and yeah I, I haven't eaten i mean my friends when i'd go down to la to see my friends it was always you know you go eat and then you go do something else and now we do none of that like we mm-hmm. would go eat and go to a show and we're not eating and we're not going to a show. So I literally haven't seen some of my friends for over a year. You know, I mean, there's, there's technological ways to get around that, you know, zoom and slack and all this stuff, but it's just not, not the, the same. same. Like, like yeah. the, 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 the kind of conversations you have are different, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, and sit here, you just, I'll just post an animated GIF or something, but you know, like, it's yeah. not, that's not like a full, an actual full conversation. Like, how are you doing? You know, like a legit, like looking in someone's eyes, like, how are you doing, man? Is everything okay? Like, cause people right. won't open up like that over the internet always you know and and especially i don't know especially with guys that i know we're, we're, we're hesitant to open up no matter what you know like we'll sit here and like like box and wrestle and this and that but in terms of talking <laughs> about how we're really feeling about what's going on with our lives no it doesn't happen <laughs> so, yeah. yeah i yeah. absolutely miss the just gathering and yeah you know just being with people aspect of so many things yeah yeah Thank you for sharing, Luce. Um, Akil, you want me to go? You go. It's up to you. I'm, I'm just go All ahead. Right. You can. I'll go ahead. So my dish for this this episode is a uh, lomo saltado. It's a Peruvian dish. It is a uh, beef with, I guess, uh, onions and peppers and tomatoes, but it has a soy sauce flavoring to it. So I first had it in LA at a restaurant called Don Felix. Um, they're still around, but there's a, a ton of Peruvian restaurants that that are in LA that serve the dish. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like the pad thai of Peruvian restaurants. Like, you know, you go to a Thai restaurant, you can, everyone, they all have pad thai on the menu. If you yeah. go to a Peruvian restaurant, odds are they'll have lomo saltado on the menu. But uh, it, it came to my mind because I was thinking about the dish because there's a new Peruvian restaurant in LA that opened called Chifa. And Chifa is actually the name for uh, Peruvian Chinese food because evidently there's a long, there's a long history of, of Chinese, yeah. you know, Chinese folks in Peru because in the 1850s, um, England stopped uh, stopped the slave trade to that part of the Americas. So Peru needed labor for their, you know, for the various things, the the industrious things that they were doing. So they began t- be taking in indentured servants from China because China was in the middle of the Taiping Rebellion and the country was in kind of flux. So a lot of folks were looking to get out. They came to Peru, um, became indentured servants. Uh, some of them actually worked long enough to, you know, get their freedom from indentured servitude and, and just stayed in the area. You know, it was other folks, you know, died or this and that, but a lot of folks did stick around. And as a result, they kind of established a community there and, and Chinese food kind of popped up. So a lot of dishes in, in this Chifa kind of tradition will have soy sauce flavoring and, you know, Chinese elements to it. Like there's a, there's a chaofa, which is their fried rice, but it's the chaofa literally comes from the Cantonese word chaofan, which is fried rice, you know? So there's, so the, so the crossover was there because most of the indentured servants they were bringing in were from. Guangzhou, so they were Cantonese. So that was kind of another part that kind of reached me specifically as a, you know, Cantonese speaking Chinese person as opposed to, you know, post Mandarin. So, so seeing some of the dishes at Don Felix and in general, I mean, I knew there was soy sauce, I knew there were flavors, but it wasn't until I really dug a little deeper and realized, oh my goodness, there's like this long, rich history of, of Chinese kind of Chinese Peruvian kind of crossover. So yeah, Lomo Saltada, there's a tayarin, which is like a chow mein, and then there's chow pho, which is the fried rice. They do they do kind of wonton soups and stuff as well in Peruvian cuisine. And so there's just this long, rich history. And it just kind of reminded me 
of kind of the, the, the ways in which immigration is kind of intertwined, you know, the, how, how it all kind of works out. It's so interconnected in terms of the, the, the Chinese folks wouldn't have ended up in Peru if England had not stopped the slave trade of that part of the Americas, if this and that, and just how interconnected everything is. Even, even now we call it globalization, but even in the pre-globalization times, we were so interconnected and truly were a kind of global village at the time. So, I mean, it, it kind of brings you back to this conversation we're having now about the, the Asian American you know, violence and the crimes that are being perpetuated against Asian Americans. And, and it's just, that kind of stuff is just really not kind of speaking to the true nature of things, which is that we are all so connected and all, you know, so in this together that to kind of see these kind of acts perpetrated, you know, for whatever reason is just wrong. I mean, there's no, there's no justification, of course, but whatever, whatever mindset, that rationale that, that leads you to kind of act out against a certain part of the culture is, is just kind of, completely misguided and, and it has to stop you know but it's 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 one of those things where that understanding you hope will come but it's it's only through kind of research and kind of understanding the history of things that you'll get there so so i thought about i was thinking about that a lot and i thought about the chifa and lomo saltado and i, I got really hungry because i don't know of any peruvian or stuff <laughs> in town that have you know, that do lomo saltado because it's it's just a, a really homey comfort dish like it's uh it, it's beef peppers onion soy sauce on a bed of fries so it's 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 yeah it's it's just really good. I'll, I'll put a I'll put a link to show notes for a recipe and a link to Don Felix because they are a longtime LA institution, as well as Chifa. But uh, yeah, that's my that's my pick for this this episode. You know, it's funny that you brought that I brought that up, Han, because I had, I had a friend. Her last name was uh, Campos Chu, and and she was from Peru. And I just she was telling me pretty much like the rundown of what you were saying and. Uh, I was like, oh, it was, I f- found that so fascinating. I, I, I just didn't know. And uh, it was super, uh, that's, the fact that you brought me back to that conversation with her by your food dishes is, is like, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. We're definitely all intertwined in, in ways that we don't even know, you know, through our cuisine, through our dress, our, our culture. It's, it's just it's so impactful in a lot of different ways. And, and to speak on the point about, um, you know, all the violence going on against, you know, Asian Americans and stuff. I, I, we definitely have to elevate that voice. You know, I feel like a lot of people still are in the dark about that, you know? Um, so thanks for, for sharing that, your thoughts with that. And it's definitely something that I'm not used to, to being, being kind of involved in because uh, traditionally growing up, we were always kind of the neutral race in terms of like, we were, we would get mixed up and stuff, but we were, it was never like the spotlight was never on, on Asian Americans, so to speak. I mean, there were always incidents. There's always been a struggle, but the but but the struggle of of, of black folks, the struggle of Latinx folks, we were kind of willing to take that backseat because I mean, in terms of my family personally, we were just happy to be here. This was, you know, the, the coming here was was a chance for us to have a better opportunity. So we were grateful for that. And didn't we're you know any kind of injustices or indignities that we suffered, we we were okay with because compared to what we were dealing with back in Vietnam, was you know is way worse. So it was one of those things where. Where personally growing up, I was always content to, to take that back seat in terms of these kind of cultural conversations. But but with the stuff that's going on now, it, it really is coming more to the forefront in terms of, of how these things get targeted. And, and it's just it's just one of those things where it's not to amplify just Asian American voice, it's just to amplify that conversation about racial injustice, period. That this happens to all people of color and and, and is just, you know, we, we may be the, the flavor of the month, so to speak, in terms of what's being highlighted on the news, but this is just a constant struggle and it's it's a, it should be a unified struggle where we're all in this together trying to kind of kind of see, see a better way absolutely yeah 
It's so interesting you bring that up because, you know, as someone who also, you know, grew up in the LA area, um, I grew up with, you know, a lot of my family were farm workers, starting with my grandfather who came here as under the Bracero program um, to, to, to work um, in the fields and had lots of family members who, you know, knew Cesar Chavez or were with him, you know, when he was starting his movement. And I grew up always knowing that uh, Filipinos at the time were strongly allied um, with Cesar Chavez and the farm worker movement. So I grew up knowing like a feeling this very strong kinship, on, mm -hmm. especially on social justice with uh, Filipino Americans and Filipino immigrants. Um, and um, I, I just, I always grew up feeling like, oh yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're in this with, with, yeah. um, you know, Mexican Americans and Latinos. Um, and it's just, I think speaks to, again, like that we're, we're connected in ways that, you know, some people don't even know that part of the farm worker history. Um, and Cesar Chavez's legacy working um, in building coalitions. Um, and it's just, it's really neat when you do learn um, and, and learn more of that history to see how, how, how all these movements are connected in many ways. Yeah, the, the Asian American activism movement was very strong, you know, in the 60s and 70s. And in the 80s, there was the early 80s, there was the murder of Vincent Chin in Michigan. So there, it's been there for a while. But see, as someone who's new to the country, like I was born in 81. So my parents got here in the early 80s, like it totally glossed us completely over in terms of my diaspora. And so it was something that I had to reconnect with only recently within the last four or five years. So seeing how strong that kind of tradition was and kind of being totally detached from it and not trying to kind of reconnect in some ways. I mean, it just speaks to kind of how different each ex the experience of each diaspora is because the Asian Americans that were protesting in the 60s or 70s were the first generation Asian Americans in the you know 30s, 40s, 50s that then had that activist voice. And so that whole generation laid the path of folk for, for my parents' generation who came over, but we never were kind of aware of it because we were just kind of escaping atrocity and we were just we're just grateful to be on you know on, on the on the fresh soil so it, it's it's that reconnecting and, and and bringing it all together and that's what you know the the learning and and via eating you know that which is you know i learned a lot about the peruvian aspect of it from the from learning about the food and stuff like that but but how to bring that all together and, and kind of have that collective consciousness going forward that is that is that is the journey all right, Akira, all right. What you got? so i got um my recommendation uh, is a spot. Uh, it's a food truck because, um, and it's it's an Oxnard. It's a food truck called Okamo, uh, Okamoto's Kitchen, mm -hmm. and this uh, it's basically Japanese comfort food with fused with American slash um, Mexican, and, and it's just like it's just it's really it's an interesting. Um, place to eat right so it's a basically it's a food truck it's parked on oxnard boulevard it only comes like uh once a week it's usually on thursdays and uh what they do is it's really <laughs> it's really interesting the first time i went there was uh i saw it parked on the, on the side of the street and it was like are they open so <laughs> i pull over and all the windows of the truck was there, but everything was shut. Right. And so I'm like, ah, oh, they're closed. I was bummed. I thought I had missed it. But then shortly someone would come up, knock on the back door, back door opens and, you know, hand comes out <laughs> and there's food. Right. So 
in the midst of the pandemic, what they're doing is you have to actually place the order online. Mm. You show up, they're not even taking up walk-up orders because um, I don't know if they're, <laughs> I don't want to say they're not, I don't know what to say they're not zoned, but you would walk up because the front doors weren't open, knock on the back door, tell them what your name is, and then they hand you the, your food. Um, one of the one of my favorite uh, things that they make, it's called uh, Okonomiyaki Fries. Um, okonomiyaki is, it's, it's amazing. Okonomiyaki is a it's traditional Japanese pancake, I guess you would call it. Um, and then on top of it, you would put Japanese uh, mayonnaise. Um, you would also put uh, kind of like a sweet sauce. I, forget, I can't think of the name of the sauce. It's okonomiyaki sauce. You would put that on a uh, little bonito flakes, a little bit of ginger. Um, so they took that basically minus the pancake and put it on top of the fries. Right. Mm. And so it just reminds me of uh, I mean, it takes me instantly. The first bite I was like transported to Japan, you know, um, and so and then they do other things, too, that are really interesting. They, they do a sushi burrito, which it's basically the rice and sushi on the inside wrapped in like a soy uh, paper. So it looks like a burrito, oh, cool. but but uh, it's you know, it's 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 basically a giant hand roll. That looks that looks like a burrito. <laughs> so um, those two things, and then there's a couple other things that were really good. Their sandwiches, they have like a fried uh, chicken sandwich, which is really good. It's a spicy fried chicken sandwich, and you know, um, Japanese culture. One of the one of the things that people may not know, but fried chicken is one of their things as well. I think it's a it's kind of a lot of that stems in Asian culture across the board too as well. I know Koreans and and even Chinese like fried chicken is, is big. And, and even Filipinos with, uh, you know, that Jolly B, yeah. Jolly B, right. So it's across the board. So I, it's definitely comfort food, uh, with a kind of like a international twist on it. Super cool truck too. It's like a bright, it's like a bright pink truck with uh, Japanese cherry blossoms and some anime on the truck. Um, and so that's my pick for the week. Um, if you're down in the area on a Thursday night and you feel like being adventurous and stepping outside of your box, lose. <laughs> and those who are listening, uh, good. I might, I'll try it out. Check out the show notes. I know Han will drop it. They have an Instagram page. And um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things, right? We talk about here is a truck serving Japanese fusion food in Oxnard on Oxnard Boulevard. Like it doesn't, it, it can't get, it's more diverse than that, right? Like Japanese comfort food awesome. in Oxnard, California on Oxnard Boulevard. Um, but so transporting peoples with, uh, to places back in Japan. So um, that's my, my pick for the week. It's definitely worth trying out if you're down there on a Thursday night. And then there's, they're mostly based in like, um, I don't know they come to Thousand Oaks and other spots in like the Valley, the San Gabriel Valley, I believe. So if you happen to be down there and, and you're a foodie, your husband may really like it too, Luz. So yeah. check, check it out. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't you. get more Southern, Cal- doesn't get more Southern California than that. You know, the, yeah. the, democ- the, the democratization of food trucks, I feel like <laughs> maybe Southern California thing. So yeah. Big food truck fan. Yeah. Yeah. Oxnard's, I mean, Oxnard has a whole pro- stable of food trucks man i think my goal is to eat through every one of them and (laughs) i'm almost there there's a couple that i haven't gotten to 
we had some food trucks here going for a while, but the, it's, it's like hit or miss with, between the, the regulations and whatnot. But I'm, I mean, in terms of folks starting up a business, again, it, it's that halfway point. The brick and mortar is way expensive. The food truck's a little more accessible where you can kind of get your idea in motion and kind of build, build your way up. So, yeah, definitely. I- and I don't even think Santa Barbara is worthy of food trucks, man. That's just my personal. <laughs> that's my because they look they they are coming at the food trucks like as if it's a uh, looked upon or frowned upon, like oh we can't have those in our community. And I'm like, no, you don't deserve them to have them in your community because <laughs> people that eat from food trucks know that that there's a certain authenticity, yeah, authenticity about being uh, at the food truck. You know, there's like it, it just doesn't get it just like a sure sense of gratitude. You know, I so. That's just me on my soapbox about <laughs> Santa Barbara. I, I would drive to Oxnard any day, Santa Barbara. Get it together. That communal aspect. Earn it. Needs to earn yeah. the privilege. Yeah, yeah for real. Because Galita does have those big parking lots where the food trucks are post up and you get you get some food truck activity in Galita. Santa Barbara's a little dicier between, a little bit, know, yeah. between the restaurant complaints and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on food, Santa Barbara food trucks, man. <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Luce, do you want to kick us off again with uh, any any piece of culture, movie, TV, book, music? Yeah. So, so the, I guess, confession I have is I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> and in your 30-hour day, Luce? <laughs> it, just, it just happens. I'm, I'm very good at... Um, being able to listen to two things at once, um, which I'm sure other people can do that too. So I kind of always have a constant stream of stuff I'm watching, even if I'm doing something else. So I always say like, I I watch everything. I watch all the TV. So like (laughs) rare occasions where there are shows that I either haven't watched all of or or, you know, watched maybe a couple of episodes if I wasn't super into it or movies. Um, I've, and, you know, being at home during COVID has kind of re- put that on steroids because I'm just home all the time. Yeah. Um, and one thing that um, I wanted to share that I've really enjoyed about being home and discovering is um, Korean dramas. So Mm. I have gotten super (laughs) into Korean dramas. I love them. I'm obsessed to the point where I now have a subscription to like the Netflix version of Korean dramas. So I have like access to everything that is the Korean drama world. Um, And my sister, uh, my youngest sister and I are, are, are big fans and we've just been mowing through all 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 the different you know top shows i find all these lists of like what are like the top 20 korean dramas of all time (laughs) and go watch them um and i just love it it's been like one of my happiest happy moments of covid is discovering that um and netflix now has a whole category there too Mm -hmm. which is nice i love that they've expanded that but um that's one thing I wanted to share. <laughs> and then just, I love, I love watching shows and movies and series. And I'm really into just, you know, trying different things and watching new things and um, love it. Um, most recently, I guess, before I, I turn it over for your, your comments <laughs> um, is I just finished watching um, 
um, I May Destroy You, the Michaela Cole um, show on um, HBO Max. She is phenomenal. I've loved her ever since Chewing Gum, her comedy show, um, and did a rewatch of Chewing Gum, you know, after watching I May Destroy You. Um, it is a just amazing series um, that I believe she wrote, produced, and stars in. Um, so that's my if 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 people are looking for some something to get into, um, make anything that Michaela Cole does um, is going to be amazing. And both of those are very different shows from one another, um, but they're both great. Wow, I would have never guessed, Luz. <laughs> I would have never guessed that you're into K-drama. I'm going to have to say, I full disclosure, I, I kind of got into it a little bit. So, uh -huh. and then my daughter was kind of clowning me a little bit about me watching K-drama. So I had to pull back, but I was watching, <laughs> I was watching one, like I, one night I, I was on the couch. I, and I, we were up kind of late. She was on her spring break. And I was like, she went upstairs and I was like, oh, what's this? It's called, I think it's called the startup. Um, and it's a K drama. And then so the next morning she comes down, she goes up, turns on Netflix. She's like, who was watching K, K drama? I was <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> so she kind of ragged on me a little bit, kind of helped help me uh have some self-doubt. So I haven't returned it, but I do it. I, I was I was enjoying it. <laughs> It, they're very enjoyable yeah i feel you i feel you <laughs> i i love chewing gum and i and i still have to finish i may destroy you it's just really thick it, it's like it's it's not uh, not hard to watch but it's some difficult subject matter some difficult subject yeah. matter and it, it was I, I still have to get through it but it, it's very well done and it but it was just it was intense and i was i, was, I had to pull back for a second but i will come back to it it is really had, intense, yeah. And she was totally robbed good. not getting nominated for a Golden Globe uh, for that, for like in like every category that she would have been qualified for. Yeah, it, it um, was very well done. It was just hard, hard yeah. for me to get through, but I will fit. I, I did promise myself I'll go back and finish it. If you had to pick a K drama, an entry level K drama for folks that are curious because they, they have reached a tipping point where a lot of people are kind of watching them, yeah. like something that folks would like that just to dip their toes into the genre what would you, is there any picks that you would go with i would i have to say there's two there's because the, for a wide audience so <laughs> i think if you're looking for an entry into just like very um heartfelt romantic like epic drama um crash landing on you is on netflix it is, it is probably my number one favorite. It's so good. It will, it's just so, so great. Um, and then if you're looking for one that is, you know, for anyone who is not a fan of super romantic kind of things, um, Itaewon Class, which is also on Netflix, is really good. It's kind of a um, Count of Monte Cristo kind of inspired story. Um, and that one's really, really cool. Um, uh, I've made my husband watch both of them and he is a big fan of both. Although I think he preferred Itaewon class. That was kind of a neat, um, you know, story. Um, so both of those I would highly recommend. That is a, a solid coastline. You can't, it doesn't get any better than the wife. Wife forced me to watch, but I really enjoyed it. Like I have a lot of shows like that. Where my wife's like, yeah. watches, and I'm like, 
I don't know. By the third episode, I'm putting the next one on. She's like, wait a minute, you didn't wait for me. It's like, yeah. Then yep. just give it a chance. Just, just, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we watched um, Parasite, which is, which is such an amazing movie. Um, and I love, you know, the, the director when he was accepting his award, where he said, you know, you have to just get past the whatever, what he said, like two inches of subtitles to like get into the story. Um, so you do kind of have to, for anyone who's not, you know, used to watching things on sub, subtitled, um, you just get past that and just enjoy it. And it's, it's great. I've always been a subtitles person because the dubs have never, you know, when you cross in languages, it's always tough to translate, especially Asian languages are tonal, tonal based. So if you don't kind of get the tonal intonation right, it can throw it all off. So I kind of like listening to the tonal, the, the way that it sounds and then reading the subtitle, yes, you know, cause, yeah. cause I can't read or write Chinese myself. So, but, but hearing the Chinese voice and then seeing the English on the, is like, yeah, I, I do enjoy yeah. this. And even if you don't understand the language, you, there's all the nonverbal communication. And, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You can you can get the feeling and then read, you know, what the what the what they're saying. Except for the old school Chinese kung fu movies. You have those <laughs> yeah. are the best. Those are the best. You, I like where the mouth is moving and yeah. like or the mouth isn't moving <laughs> and he's speaking. Those those are the those those are the those I I would always watch those in English. <laughs> and it's and it's like three voice actors for like yeah, yeah. Movie they translate like, oh that <laughs> guy again. Oh man, that guy again. I reckon oh that girl like it's always the, that girl's voice is that one actress, then, then yeah. that guy that actor plays like 80 guys. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. That's yeah. funny. And if I, I have one last movie plug. All right, let's go. Anyone watching who has kids, um, we just watched uh Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, um it is so good it's it's a great great animated movie and i love the direction the animated movies are going with having strong uh you know female characters that that don't have a romantic interest or a prince or you know someone there's like there's none of that kind of character in the in this movie um and it's just you know to without giving away the plot but there's two kind of really badass kind of warrior women um and it's a really really well done movie so highly recommend that for it's 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 kid approved in my house at least nice i've been meaning, I've been meaning to check it out because it's specifically southeast asian which is which is always yeah like, it's really nice cool yeah yeah i was gonna i was looking at that too we were gonna watch that over the weekend but we kind of pulled back uh, and start watching something else but yeah i'm looking forward to getting into that definitely all right thank you loose i'll go next uh, just because my pick kind of ties into what what uh kind of loose's pick a little bit um, how you don't how do you know my pick doesn't tie into loose <laughs> <laughs> well because i don't know so that, yeah so specifically i know that mine does <laughs> so that's why i was gonna, you know um I, I wanted to pick for um just as part of the kind of women's history month we're doing here i wanted to highlight uh, michelle yo who is the Hong Kong uh, action star. Everyone will always think of, you know, Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, of course. But for my money, Michelle Yeoh has had a better, you know, kind of movie career than Jackie Chan. I mean, no one's talking about Bruce because Bruce to me is like, he's like Chinese Tupac or something. He's like, he's like on that extra level where you're not touching, you know, you know, no one talks about, no slander towards Bruce, nothing bad about Bruce. Chinese Tupac. Jackie versus Michelle, I would give it to Michelle Yeoh in terms of the, the depth and breadth of her cinematic career. And the fact that she did her own stunts and the fact that she's shared a screen. She's done movies with Jackie. She did movies with Jet Li. 
She's done romantic comedies in the U.S. She's done, you know, her her U- United States film oeuvre is much more, you know, there's much more variety there between Crouching Tiger, between Last Christmas, she's in a romantic comedy, I think it was, and, yeah. and she's in Crazy Rich Asians. So she's just had a the depth and breadth of her career that, that Jackie doesn't have. I, I, you know, I love Jackie. He's a great action star, but in terms of an actual movie star, I, I got to give it to Michelle. And 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 her action chops are are right there with Jackie in terms of she does her own stunts. She was with him in Super Cop, so at the height of both of their powers, they were sharing the screen together. You know, um, Super Cop is what it was called here. In China, it was part of the uh, Hong Kong. It was part of the police story. It was Police Story Three, mm-hmm. so there's a Police Story trilogy. Um, she did a movie with Jet Li. Uh, it's called, I think, Twin Warriors in America. I don't know what the American title are, but it's, it's Tai Chi Master. It's uh, Wong Fei, uh, Feng Sai Yuk uh, was Jet Li's character. So, she, so she shared, shared a screen with all the action heavyweights, held her own. She's uh, really good, and she did a movie called The Heroic Trio in the mid '90s with um, Maggie Cheung and Anita Mui. And for folks that are now into K-pop, you know, BTS and all that stuff, K-pop is big. Before K-pop, it was Japanese pop, J-pop. Mm-hmm. But for me growing up, it was Kanto pop. And Anita Mui is like the Madonna of, of Cantonese pop. She, she passed away at, uh, at the age of 40 due to cancer, unfortunately, you know, you know, rest in peace. But when she was on, she was like the diva of Kanto pop. She was like on another level. So to see Anita Mui with Michelle Yeoh and then Maggie Cheung as well, who, who's a bona fide, you know, Hong Kong star as well, that was like... That was like the Charlie's Angels of Hong Kong cinema to me. So, 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 so watching that movie growing up it was like, whoa, it's so crazy. You know, like I need a movie and she's kicking butt and all that. So, yeah, um, I'll put links in the show notes to all the films I'm mentioning because some of them may or may not be available. But just in general, if you can find a Michelle Yeoh movie, you're in good hands. I can't say that about every Jackie Chan movie, um, but I can definitely say about every Michelle Yeoh movie. So I, that definitely gives her the plus one in my books. So I just wanted to give her a shout out. See and all the all them, all them subtitles too. Subtitles, no dubs. <laughs> that's that's a great pick that's funny huh because that ties into my pick too as well all right so i was gonna drop uh and i know i'm late some people out here maybe like <laughs> maybe kind of hating on me when they hear this but uh my my pick for the week uh it is marco polo on netflix did you guys have I you guys seen that. you, you got to do watch it I okay. think it ha- Michelle Yeoh is actually in the in it too. Oh, so she is. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Oh, <laughs> yeah, wow, seen it? Awesome. yeah. So that's the reason why I was like, um, um, like when he said that, I was like, no, that's that's who I was going to talk about. But <laughs> such a great movie, such a great movie. It's a well, not a movie. It's a series, and um, there's it's a two season series, um, and it basically, t- what's so cool about it is it's it. Marco Polo is titled Marco Polo, so you would think that he's the center of it, but he's not. There's all these sub stories that are going on with the Kong and the the Mongol uh, Empire and all this different culture. Um, so I'm not. I don't want to give it away too much. I know Sean will put the notes um, or the links to, in the show notes, but that you got to do yourself a favor and watch that. The, there is just just to, to preference, there is some nudity in that. So I don't. You know, if you have kids, you don't want to you know make sure that they're not around but it's definitely like one of those things like you just binge you know and uh like Han was saying like how when your wife's like oh i, I want to watch this and you start watching it and then you get into it more than, than they do so <laughs> i was laughing because i had to pull back uh because uh my wife was falling asleep but i was secretly watching and then i would like and then she would be like the next day she'd be like how far did you watch i was like oh i think i only watched like what episode it's 
<laughs> so this so because what would happen she would always get discouraged right because i would almost finish it because she's sleep right and i just so into it so i'd be like no i didn't watch one episode so she we would go back and watch it over again but you guys check that out i'm i, I heard uh season three is supposed to be coming out um later sometime this year but man it's it's such a good show although it's not um they're speaking english in this in the show so you don't have to read the subtitles but we were talking about that uh how it's so much easier <laughs> we're like it's kind of it's kind of cool that they're speaking english you know and so we don't have to read but it's definitely worth um worth checking out you know it's really good so I'll i mean it's an my list. Story. yeah it yeah. is an inter- interesting story Lose, in general, I mean, so yeah, it's a great story. It's it really is, and and it leaves you on a cliffhanger. So I'm excited for what season three looks like. And so, that's my pick for the day. And then I wanted to give one plug real quick uh, um, out to uh, David Stone, one of our employees who have recently passed away. Um, David was a dear friend of mine and uh, and a work colleague and someone who I look to uh, for um, you know that old old man wisdom that he always had you know always find the right found the right time to say the right thing and so uh i just wanted to say rest in peace to him i went to school with or i played actually sports against his son when i sons when i was in high school and so uh david stone man he was a mountain one of the best emails campus-wide emails ever sent out when he referred to himself as Tupac Shakur and Martin Luther King at 721 Cliff Drive. <laughs> Do you still have you know, that email? I, I, listen, I don't, I, I think I, I got to search for that email. I do have the, the channels article that it, they actually literally quoted him in that. So he sent the email. He was, you know, he was having, you know, he was feeling some kind of way about the usage of campus wide emails because everyone else was, sending stuff for like apartments and this and that. So, you know, there was some, there was a, some background in regards to that, but he sent that email and it was like the best line I ever read at city college when I, I was in my office. And I was like, did he just say he was the Tupac Shakur and Martin Luther King at 721 <laughs> drive? I have the article in the channels where they quoted him for saying that I can send that to you. It's one of the best lines ever. Yeah, so he, he's going to be greatly missed. Um, you know, just, yeah. you know, you know, people from that generation, you know, um, it's just had a totally different experience and outlook on life than, you know, what uh, what it is like now. So I just want to say, you know, rest in peace, Dave Stone, and you'll be missed. And it was a joy and a pleasure working with him. Well said. Thank, Thank you, you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that about wraps us up for this episode. Um, Luce, before we say goodbye, is there anything else you'd like to share or plug or mention about our office or anything else that's going on with you? No, just thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I was looking forward to it. I was a little nervous because I know it's, this is such a popular podcast. (laughs) I feel like everybody's listening to it. So I feel really honored to have been asked to be part of it. So thank you. Um, And thank you guys so much for doing this. I'm so glad that we have this at the college. Yeah, we're we're it's we're we're honored to have you here. We're we're happy to be here. Um, I'm grateful that Akil was was hap- was uh, willing to do this with me as well. <laughs> Likewise, so, yeah. So I mean, in terms of we talk about community and, and communal experiences, like without the kind of chemistry that we have in terms of being able to kind of you know just 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 chat. I mean, that's it, that's the key piece of it, and and it's 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 good. You know, we're we're glad that we have that. So. <laughs>
Well, I hope my goal is when you're walking across campus, when we, we return back on campus, some employee of the, of the college pulls you aside and, be, and say, yo, you like, you like K-drama, Luz? Right. Yo, I like K-drama. <laughs> so we're building community uh, on K-drama. Yes, and, uh, so that's that's the goal of the show is being able pe- for people to tune in and listen and then see that person and connect with that person off something that they've listened or um, from the show. And so that's what we're trying to do here. And and uh, thank you for coming on and and hung like always. It's always a pleasure working with you and look forward to doing more episodes and honoring and uplifting the voices of our, you know, our campus community. Well said. Thank you all. Thank you all. And until next time, this was Viqueta Voices. Take care. Peace.